there and welcome to Thrive Church Podcast here in Puyallup, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this sermon of the week. Guess not. All right. Um, <clears throat> we had an amazing time last week with Pastor Earl Thurner. Um, turned on the afterburners as usual. That's kind of how he ministers. I I don't know if you guys caught on to that, but he just, he's just, for who he is, you know, how he just is so filled with passion all the time. And I just, it's just contagious, actually. I I love it. So um, it was so, so fun. Um, And I I think he just really released some things here uh, into our midst too. And um, two weeks ago, I released a prophetic declaration over our church about this season of encounter. You've heard several people reference it. Um, and I'm going to be continuing along that vein today. If you're looking to take some notes and you want a title, my message is called Postured for Encounter. Uh, and we're going to just talk about several ways that we can posture our heart to be able to experience the Lord, to, to encounter Him in our lives. It's a, it's a heart posture. It's not about performance. It's not about if I do the right things, God's going to do His thing. Uh, it's actually about a heart posture. It's about preparing the soil of our heart to be ready to receive the seed of God, what he's doing. All right. So I wanted to talk just about prophetic words a little bit before I jump into some of the specific things I'm going to talk about today. But when we look at prophetic words, uh, sometimes um, we can we can kind of have the tendency to kind of to hear that word and then kind of step back and say, okay, well, God, I'm going to watch you do that. Um, and, and I want to just I want to just speak to that a little bit because uh, you know we we kind of have this idea sometimes that when God speaks it's just it automatically happens and we just are gonna we we get to set back and watch and I don't know what you've experienced in your life but in my life that's not what I've experienced what I've experienced is that when God releases a word what it is what it means is it's it's an opportunity for me to step into alignment with that word to step in faith and say, okay, I believe what you say about me. I believe what you're saying. So I'm going to do this to align my, my, my actions, to align my faith to what you're doing. So sometimes like we could, we could look at, at words that are given, uh, prophetic words that are given over our lives or over, over uh, our church or over different things, and we could judge those uh, wrongly, thinking, well, that didn't come to pass, so that's not a word from God. But, but oftentimes that's not because God didn't author the word, it's because we didn't respond in faith. Are you hearing me? <laughs> It's, again, it's not about performance, but there is a heart response that, that, that comes, to, comes into play, and it takes a simple act of faith. Sometimes those, I mean, I say most prophetic words uh, that we receive in our lives will not come to pass unless and until we step in faith in alignment with that word in some way. <laughs> Sometimes it's just a little, a little thing. Like here's a, here's a quick example for you. If you get a word that you're called to the nations, one really simple, easy step of faith that you can do is you can get your passport. It makes sense, right? How, how, how can I be called to the nations if I'm not even set up to actually go, right? So how do we align ourselves 
to the word. It's not about performance. It's about believing. And if we believe, what are we doing to align our hearts and our actions to what God says? If we look at it, if we look at this word, um, whatever prophetic word that we might be uh, referencing, if we look at a word and we look at our lives, sometimes we don't see how it could happen in our current state. We think, well, God's just going to have to do that. I have no idea how he's going to get me there. Um, so oftentimes what we can do is we can shelf that. Like, I don't know how to do that. And we ignore it, we forget about it, or we put it in this category of it's supposed to be someday in the distant future. We may even actually believe this is God. I, I know I felt God's presence on that word. I know that's what he wants to do in my life, but I don't know what to do with it right now. So I'm going to put it away and just like God's going to have to handle that distant future. We put it way out there sometimes. But prophecy declares something into existence that wasn't there before. When we get a word of knowledge, what we're getting is we're getting a word that's, uh, that's true right now. That's a word of knowledge. It's, it's a word that's true, but was revealed to us supernaturally by the Spirit of God. That's a word of knowledge, but a word of prophecy is not that way. We get a word that is true, but it's not true right now. Do you understand? So we're, we're, we're reaching into the future. We're reaching into the, the unseen realm and we're saying that's what God says. It doesn't feel true. It doesn't look true, but it's true. So it declares something into existence that wasn't there before. And with the word, this is really an important piece of this. With the word, when God speaks, uh, it, it speaks of this in, in Isaiah. I don't remember the reference, but you'll, you'll catch it. It's really simple. Uh, he sends forth his word, and with the sending of his word is the power to accomplish it. He's not sending his word void. It's not going to return to him void without accomplishing what he sent it to do. <clears throat> with the word there's power to see the fulfillment of that word come to pass the power rides along the words to bring it to pass so what happens if we if we decide to shelf that and we don't respond to that we don't act on that or we don't set our hearts in alignment with that word through some act of faith that power that exists on the words is not put into motion. Because all of us, we can look at we can look at things that we are we are sure we are certain God spoke to us, and we're like twenty five years later, but I don't know, you know, I don't know what happened. Why didn't that come to pass? Now it could still be like God loves process. You know, He He does. There are things that He speaks over us that uh, are are words for our distant future, and and there are times and seasons for things. God does love process. I just think that so many times we've we fall in love with that idea because it doesn't require anything of us. Like, it's way out there. I don't have to do anything about that. I'm not responsible to do something to step into that. I can just sit back and wait, and if it's true, it'll be true. There's no responsibility on us if we do that. So sometimes, I, even, even if it is in the distant future, God gave us the word now. So what do we do with it now? 
How do we respond to it? Now, it still may be 20 years till we see the fulfillment of that word. But what do we do right now to align ourselves with the truth that he's speaking? And I think it's true when we're talking about that, I think it's true for this prophetic declaration that I've made about the season of encounter. If your plan is is to sit back and hope that you encounter God, or, or perhaps you're not even sure that I got it right. <laughs> I'm looking at your eyes because I just want to find out who you are. I'm kidding. Uh, maybe you don't think I got it right. Maybe you don't think it is a season of encounter. <sighs> If you're just going to sit back and watch and wait and see whether it truly is a season of encounter or not, um, very likely that could be a self-fulfilling prophecy. If that's all that you, that's, that's the only investment you're making, you're probably not going to get a return on that. So I want to encourage you not to do that, not to sit back. Don't wait. Now that's that's not saying that we we need to do some kind of uh, performance. We're not going to do jumping jacks to try to get to these encounters with God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about aligning our faith with, with the fact that that's what he's saying. Now, here's the reality. God always wants to encounter you. So it's not, it, it's, it's like a no-brainer for me to declare a season of encounter. It's just like that's the easiest prophetic declaration a guy can make. I was doing really safe when I said that uh, because God always wants to encounter us. <laughs> it's a safe prophecy. Every season is a season of encounter. We're, we're meant to live our lives from that place of encountering God regularly. If it's been a month since you encountered God, that's too long. I, I love the stories that people tell. Like, I, I can't, I remember this when it happened. It was 20 years ago and the Lord appeared to me. I love those stories. I have some of them myself. But we need to live from encounter. Jesus said, we're not meant to live by bread alone, but we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I mean, do you get the, the parallel there? That word for word is rhema. It's like his now word, right? I live not by bread. Like how often do you expect to, to eat? Like most of us eat like three to five times a day. Six, seven? Who'll give me eight? Um, <laughs> if, you're, if your expectation is like you're going to only eat bread once a month, then you're going to have that kind of encounter with God. I mean, that's the kind of expectation that we stir up. Do we expect that I need God's word today? Six times, maybe? If we do have that kind of an expectation, maybe we'll encounter God more. We're meant to live our lives from a place of encountering God regularly. So don't sit back and watch. 
I urge you to do something not out of performance, but uh, shift something out of faith. Like, God, I believe you want to encounter me. I believe you want to move in my life. I believe you want to shift me from where I'm at to a new place. I believe that something needs to shift, and I believe that you want to encounter me, and I'm pressing in. Do something. Maybe that's starting to come to pre-service prayer here on on Sunday mornings. Uh, We do that like starting about nine o'clock. Maybe it's it's well diggers. You're going to start coming on Tuesday nights and pray and press in with us. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be for you, but partner with the word of God. And I guarantee you, Maybe that's not a safe prophecy. Maybe I should back away from that. Now, I guarantee that if you press in, you will encounter God. Life-changing encounters. Over the next few messages that I bring, I'm going to be taking a look at some stories in the scripture of people who encountered God in some incredible ways. My goal is to highlight some heart postures. Like, how did they posture themselves in order to encounter God? So are you ready for that? That's what I'm going to do here this morning. I'm going to take a look at one story, um, and then we're going we're gonna to press in a little bit. I want to talk about Hannah, the mother of Samuel. So bear with me, but I'm going to read some scripture. Um, it's good stuff here, it's, uh, but I want to provide the context of what we're talking about. First uh, Samuel, starting uh, chapter 1, verse 1. There was a certain man from somewhere, uh, a, a, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of... All right, he had two wives. <laughs> One was called Hannah and the other Penelope. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Uh, Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord, uh, to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Sounds like my kids sometimes. Uh, This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Real sensitive man there. Um, Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. 
Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Okay, so here's the story. We kind of got it all laid out there. Hannah had an encounter with the Lord, and it happened in her conversation with Eli the priest. Right? Actually, the Lord didn't show up in some big vision. Did you see how it happened? It seemed like it's pretty normal. She's praying. He thinks she's drunk. He asks her about it. He, she, she says, I haven't been drinking, but I'm asking something of the Lord. And he basically just says, may the Lord grant you what you asked him. She immediately stops what she's doing. She gets up and leaves that place. No longer sad. It says, it says it's in verse 18. Uh, then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Somehow she knew in that encounter something had shifted. We can't see it with our eyes looking at the words that are, that are in, the, in the scripture, but something took place there. There was a transaction that happened. I found it pretty interesting that she had this encounter through a conversation with the priest. In the New Covenant, who are the priests? We all are, right? I wonder if some of our encounters are actually tied up in relationship. That's a good thought. You could encounter God in the relationships you have with other believers. And I think even a better picture is you can become the encounter for other people. You're the priest. You can be the encounter for other people. Anyway, so we're not we're not talking about that right now, but we're talking about Hannah's heart posture. I want to I want to talk about three things that I see uh, in this passage that that are highlighted to me about her heart posture. And the first one is hope. It is. It's big. Hannah uh, fasted and she prayed, but she did this because she had hope that God would respond. She was in anguish. I mean, let's not forget that she was pouring out her heart to God because she was not feeling like this was going to happen. But she had hope year after year. She pressed into it. 
I believe that hope is the most important heart set that we need in order to encounter God. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you're going to encounter God, you have to believe that you're going to encounter him. You have to believe that he's going to respond when you cry out. Why, why would Hannah have cried out if she thought, well, he's probably not going to respond anyway. She had hope. God wants us to encounter him. And he is a rewarder. And if we seek him, he'll respond. There's so many pictures of that in the Psalms. You see David like, I cried out to the Lord and he heard my prayer and he came, rode the clouds, parted the heavens and came down and delivered me from my fears. It's hope. Hope paints a picture of a future in a certain light, a picture that's affected by what, uh, affected by God showing up and changing our landscape. Hope paints a picture. When we put our hope in the Lord, we are hoping for encounter. That's what it is. Encounters come in many types, in many ways. But when we're putting our hope in the Lord, we're hoping that he's going to do something, that he's going to respond, that we're going to encounter him. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 3 says this, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. This is David's hope. He's saying, I'm, I'm needing help. I lift up my eyes to the mountains, to the hills, where my help comes from, the Lord. So I want to I wanna just, for just a second right now, I want to ask you to picture the Lord invading your life. Picture what it looks like to encounter God. Maybe, maybe it looks like encountering him uh, in, uh, in just your, your personal devotion time with him in the morning. Maybe it looks like him uh, showing up in your, in your home, in your relationships. Uh, it, picture what it looks like. What does it look like for God to show up? If we don't have a picture of what it looks like, we won't know when it happens. We've got to paint a picture. What does it look like to have our future affected by a life-altering encounter with the Lord? What's that look like? That's what hope does. It starts to pull us towards it. It paints a picture. This is what it could look like. Second thing is hunger. This is a heart posture. Hannah was hungry. <laughs> now, very literally, she was fasting, but not so much because that she had decided to fast. Uh, it, it says that she wouldn't eat actually because of Peninnah, who was irritating her and moving her to tears, and she all of a sudden would lose her appetite. 
<laughs> but Hannah had hunger. She wasn't hungry for food anyway. She was hungry for her breakthrough. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I've heard it said that there's one thing that is impossible for God, and that is for him to bypass hunger. He's so drawn to people who hunger for more of him that he can't resist. James 4, uh, verse 8, tells us that when we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. <laughs> so stir up hunger. Number three, um, desperation. Hannah was desperate for God to answer her, and she, she was invested in receiving her promise. Now, uh, now, we can see this as this long process, like she was desperate for many years. Year after year, it happened. And that's what it says in verse 7. This went on year after year. Uh, whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. And her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, like, always. He would just say that every year. Like, <laughs> why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? And then he said something really dumb. Don't I mean more, than, more to you than ten sons? Clearly, she had done this more than once. But this one time... She went the next step and she went all in. Uh, verse 9, it says once. The very first word in verse 9 is once. And it says once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Once. One of these times when Hannah was in anguish and refraining from eating. The reality is for you this morning, you might just be one moment away from the encounter that you're longing for, the shift that's going to change your life. We definitely believe that for other people, that if, if unbelievers, lost family members, those who don't know God, if they were to encounter him one time, it could shift their whole future. One encounter away. It's also true for us and the things that we're asking for. We're just one encounter away from a life that's forever altered by that moment. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. I don't know if she had always just sat down, but it, it points that out. One time when they had finished, she stood up. This time was different than all the other times. This time Hannah stood up. And I just want to speak this over you and ask you, are you going to stand up in this moment and press into God in a way that you've never pressed into him before? Are you going to get undignified and stop caring about what others think of you? Even let the priests, other believers that are in your lives, know that you're longing for something more. How many times do we come to church and we put on our Christian face? Like, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy, blessed, filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? But I think that when we get authentic with what is going on with us, with the people around us, when we're really expecting God to encounter us, we stop caring about what they think of us. 
amazing what jumps into my spirit when I'm saying things like that because I've seen, I, I, I begin experiencing that myself. I stop caring about what people think of me when I'm hungry for God. This is a heart that's postured for an encounter. I want to tell you a quick story. Um, and that is I was, uh, I was at a conference right here in, in our community. We were, I was over at East Point Church, East Point Foursquare Church. They had a conference. This was recently. Uh, Sean Smith was here. It's about a month ago, I think. And um, it was a great message. Great, had had a time of worship and a great message. And at the end of this message, there was there was this this call. And I don't even remember anything about like what was the call, but I remember I was stirred. Like I want more of God. I want more. And, and the, what I began to experience is that I I'm, I'm I stood up and everybody is you know we're all standing up and beginning. There's some music beginning to play. There's sort of an altar time that's happening. Uh, they're about to release ministry uh, in in a lot of different uh, ways. But we're standing. We're singing through this song, and I'm feeling in my heart like I want more. And I start to try to to express that to God, and I was shocked by how difficult it was to stir up desperation in my heart. I felt it like in my mind. I want, I was like, oh God, I, oh, I want more. But as it started to come out of my mouth, it was like, God, I want more. And I'm like, they're hearing me. I don't want to be too loud. I don't want to sound like, I don't want others to, to hear my desperation. So I, it was, it took me actually working into it. Like, and I, I was actually laughing at myself inside. Like, that's so stupid. You are being so stupid right now. You want God and you're worried about what somebody next to you who's, who's singing this song that they're singing, they want more of God. You're worried about what they think. Are you kidding me? That's kind of what I was internal processing. I was like, what is that going on? That's, that can't be healthy. I mean, I'm like, this feeling I'm having can't be right. But we, we encounter this. We're like, I want more of God. But when, it's, when we come to like act, it's like stifled. Like, I don't want to like appear weird. I don't want to like invest myself that, in a way that might like make me uh, uncomfortable or might make others uncomfortable around me. I had to work at it. I did truly want more of God, but I, I was stuck behind fears and emotions that were keeping me from desperation. So I, I just want to challenge you this, this morning to kind of picture yourself like if I really want to encounter God in my life, it might not look the way I think it might. I might have to work at it. I might, and again, I hope you hear me. I'm not talking about performance. I'm not talking about some uh, some law or rule that you have to follow. I'm talking about aligning your faith to the fact that God wants to encounter us, and I'm going to go after it. He's released it. He's done it. He's said it. He's moving. If we're if we're doing anything in this season, it's not begging God to move. It's getting our hearts to a position where He can. Amen. Mm-hmm.